Innovate UK KTN. Connecting for positive change. Welcome to this Maritime Innovation Podcast. In this series, we are going to be exploring the trending topics that innovators in the ports and maritime sector are always talking about. Following the success of the Decarbonising and Ports and Harbours Innovation Network, we reaffirmed our commitment to decarbonising our industries, including maritime. And a lot has happened since 2019, but the maritime sector is now rising to address large global and domestic challenges as we transition away from fossil fuels to net zero operations, along with ambitious plans to embrace automation, digitisation and striving to improve productivity and safety. We've assembled teams of leading experts in their fields drawn from our Maritime and Ports Innovation Network to join us in discussions related to these grand challenges. My name is Mark Ray and I'm the Buildings and Infrastructure Knowledge Transfer Manager at Innovate UK KTN. And now in this episode, we're going to be exploring how ports are becoming better connected using cutting edge technology like 5G and the Internet of Things. Now, I'm delighted to be handing over the reins to steer this conversation to my colleague and 5G guru, Richard Foggy, who's joined by some of those at the vanguard of 5G and IoT deployment in maritime settings. Richard. Thanks, Mark. Hello, I'm Richard Foggy. I'm the Digital Economy and Internet of Things Knowledge Transfer Manager here. I'm pleased today we are joined by some experts within the industry who will be sharing their specialist knowledge with us. Now, I'll get them to introduce themselves. We have uh, two Johns and a Simon. Uh, perhaps if the Johns go first, John Chaplin, could you uh, let us know uh, who you are and where you're from? Uh, thank you, Richard. I'm John Chaplin. I'm the director with responsibility for external affairs and special projects at the Bristol Port Company. Hi, thank you, sir. And your colleague, John Harrison, is with you, I think. Hi, everyone. I'm John Harrison. I'm the IT director at the Bristol Port. And my interest today is about uh, how we're going to deliver 5G across the port in a very realistic and usable way. Thank you, John. And last but by no means least, Simon Parry. Simon, who are you? Where are you from? Hi. So I'm Simon Parry. Uh, I work for Nokia and I'm the CTO uh, for our enterprise group uh, in the UK and Ireland, which in normal person speak means taking the technologies that we developed for the big carriers, the big telcos, uh, and finding other uses for it, for example, wiring up ports. Excellent. Well, great. Thank you all for your time for coming along today. Uh, and thanks to everybody for uh, for joining us. So without further ado, we'll crack on. And uh, indeed, this is a bit, you know, sort of who, what, why, when. So basically, if I, if I can start with the Johns, you know, what did you do with 5G down at Bristol? Thank you, Richard. So the Bristol Port Company was part of a trial sponsored by DCMS, the government body led by WECA, who's the combined authority in our region, and with multiple participants from the region, including the universities, but very much led by Soundex and a number of other innovative and forward-leaning companies involved in 5G. So having secured a DCMS grant towards work in the area, we looked at uh, 5G and how 5G would work with the logistics chain, principally in anticipation of a Freeport concept within the Greater Bristol region. So we were looking at how cargo comes into Bristol Port, particularly containerized cargo, 
and then how it might move through the port, through the various transitions from ship to storage, and then onto road or rail, and then onwards to its final destination, which for our particular use case was considering a freeport concept with some location local to the region where manufacturing of uh, raw materials might be embraced and then those raw materials being returned to Bristol Port for subsequent export. So using technology provided by the universities, uh, we undertook various physical works within Bristol Port to provide the necessary infrastructure, including cabling, uh, 5G masts, various repeater stations, etc. And then using that equipment, we were able to track cargo down to a fairly uh, small size, effectively uh, boxes that sat on various pallet, pallets uh, being moved around as cargo within the port. And we were able to track that cargo all the way from Bristol Port down the M5 to the gravity site, which is a potential freeport or manufacturing facility at junction 23 of the M5, where the former MOD site at that location is being redeveloped for future use uh, and some potential manufacturing facility. The testing that was undertaken proved the concept of being able to track that cargo uh, all the way through the port and all the way down the M5 to the gravity site and then effectively being returned up to the port. Whilst having established all of that 5G infrastructure within the port, we took the opportunity to test various other use cases, which included using drones to add to our security provision. So Bristol Port is not unique, but we are unusual in that we have our own police force, a, uh, a constabulary of 40 police officers who provide security within the port. But checking our boundary, which is several tens of miles long, then the opportunity to actually use automated drones uh, was proved using 5G technology in real time. So staff could actually sit in an office and monitor the drone as it flew over our boundary. In addition to that, we looked at other use cases, for example, the opportunity to use a drone based on 5G technology, which would then take potentially life-saving materials, whether it be uh, machinery or, or drugs to a particular location within the port far quicker than an ambulance or other facility could undertake that particular role. And again, using drones and 5G technology, we tested how we could actually look at particular parts of the port uh, and provide us with views, for example, on the seaward side of a vessel where, a for example, a fire incident might take place, which wouldn't be visible from the shore, but using 5G drone technology, then we could actually look at how that might work. So as far as we were concerned, a very successful test and trial and clearly f that 5G trial that we undertook within the port proved that the technology works. And our hope is that in due course, working with other ports and other 5G tests that were undertaken across the country, we might marry that information together. Fantastic. So indeed, pr primarily, I think what you're describing is the principal business challenge was around the logistics. But you then found that with that 5G infrastructure in place, there are other valuable use cases 
the surveillance, the, uh, the, the, the seaward view that you could add on, on top of that. Indeed. Uh, and we're aware, Richard, that clearly other ports uh, are participating in the DCMS trials and they're looking at other opportunities. Uh, and in due course, hopefully, Bristol Port can benefit from those trials. For example, the ones at Felixstowe, which we know are looking at how cranes operate and how the maintenance of cranes can be addressed more accurately and properly by the use of 5G. Indeed, so you must also compare notes with the 5G count people up at the uh, the Nissan plant. Uh, abs absolutely, yes. Indeed, uh, yeah, autonomous 42-tonne vehicles. Uh, uh, in, indeed. Yeah, th th thanks very much for that. Um, indeed, if I might t turn to Simon, beat that. What, what, what have you been up to? I, I, th I think you, <laughs> sorry, you've been, been involved um, in, in quite a number of port deployments uh, across Europe, also in, in, in the UK. And Southam Southampton, I think, is the jewel in your crown or is, your, or, or, or is that one of the jewels in your tiara? Okay, so, so the deployment of cellular technology with a 4G or 5G in a port environment has pretty much followed the regulation. That it's followed the regulation about where can you get spectrum. And it's rolled out in countries around the world. So, so you know, we've done large port operations in the US because there's CBRS spectrum over there. Lots in the Nordics because um, stuff is lightly used. And you can get specific site licenses. Uh, John mentioned Felixstowe, which was actually some spectrum taken from mobile operator. But the UK is pursuing a sort of different track to everyone else, which is that we've we've got 5G spectrum and we've got 5G spectrum under a license that makes it attractive for these sorts of modest campus sort of port sized operations. And the UK is leading the world on that. Germany's coming along with us and it's looking like the whole of Europe is looking to follow the example um, that we're sitting here. So the projects that we've been doing have been coloured really by what you're allowed to do from a from a regulatory perspective you know as john was saying you know 5g uh in the consumer market is at the beginning of its trajectory and along comes the devices you spoke about some of the iot challenges at felixstowe and there's you know as as the market matures stuff becomes available so we've gone a lot further in 4g and have you know autonomous straddle carriers uh, running around a, a port, several ports in Finland that are, you know, you, you mentioned the 42 trucks. We've got, you know, the straddle carriers, the things moving the containers around already wired up, connected. Originally, as also John said, originally for one purpose, but then you find another one and another one and another one and another one. And you find all these things to throw on a network. Where we started this conversation and before we started this podcast, what we were chatting about was Smart Sound Plymouth. Um, and Smart Sound Plymouth is a, is another UK government funded exercise to look at if you put it seaward and put it on the sea side of things and you put a 4G network and a 5G network around the, the, the whole sound at Plymouth, um, what could you do with it? And it's experimental and you've got people, you know, doing stuff above the water, below the water, sensor networks. You've got ships driving themselves off to off to North America. Um, you know, you've got all kinds. I think there's 60 use cases they're running at the moment because it's free to access. They'd love you if you've got an idea. Come along, try it. The Smart Sound Plymouth team would be very excited about that. In terms of commercial and practical stuff, um, Southampton, which is where you started, um, Associated British Ports at Southampton have put in a 5G private network and are using it 
in, for, in anger today to unload ships. It's essentially that they've got all of the data sitting in their database at their nice, warm, dry offices at the centre of the port. And then you meet the reality of working dockside, landside, where it's wet and salty and awful, and tracking stuff in and off the ships. They wanted to use barcode scanners and sort of long-reach QR scanners just to pick up where they were putting stuff. It's a, a mixed operation port, and, and they just lost stuff. It's, it's in their port somewhere, um, as I think John was alluding to. You know, it's a major use case that I think the figure that I see banded around is 4% of stuff is currently lost in a port. Um, you know, it's in there somewhere. We're just not entirely sure where. And those sorts of figures. So so this, you know, whether it's, you know, John says active GPS driven tracking and going and finding stuff precisely where it is or just logging when you pick it up and put it down so that you you know where you put it down last time. There's a whole scanning with barcodes and which parking space you put the vehicle in. There's a whole lot of different technologies, but they all rely on connectivity out and about in the wet and nasty area that, that is the port. Indeed. Don't, don't feel so bad about that 4%. It could be worse. You could be in construction where 10% of stuff is on site. But, uh, but but can't be found. Okay, okay, but I'm not I'm not putting GPS trackers on sand though. No, indeed. no. Oh, no. One, one of these days we will do it by the grain with with natural um, surface recognition or or, yeah. or something. But 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 not to, not today. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in, interesting. And, and thanks for bringing up uh, Spectrum and sort of the UK's. I don't know idiosyncratic. Well, we do it our way, don't we? Um, how how do you deal with spectrum in in these sort sorts of projects, uh, Simon and, and and or the Johns, please. I, yeah. Okay. Um. So, uh, Ofcom has been extremely generous, and through a couple of you know, what's it now, three years that it's been available, they have a specific license called a shared access spectrum license. What they mean by shared access is that it's shared geographically. So you have exclusive rights to that spectrum in your location, but you don't in the neighbouring location. It's very cost effective, uh, a few hundred pounds per mast, uh, a year. Uh, it's very easy to get in terms of the paperwork. Yes, it's still a paper PDF form you have to fill in, but it's not difficult. The challenge for Ofcom is they have one shot to give this away. And they are trying to feel their way through what's the fair way of sharing it between everybody who wants to use it. So they've come up with these ideas of low power and medium power license. Ports tend to be in the geographic regions where you're only allowed a low power. And a low power license means your masts have to be really close together, which is not particularly cost effective. But Ofcom are up for a discussion and if you can state your case, and as we did at the Port of Southampton, they've let us use higher than low, but lower than medium powers. A sort of a, a low hybrid medium power. It's a, I don't know what you want to call it, but because we could demonstrate that there was one person occupying a piece of space, we weren't going to leak outside the space. We weren't going to interfere with any neighbours. We were allowed to use higher powers in an urban area inside the fence and that's what made it economic and allowed us to have mastered a sensible spacing absolutely yeah i i, I found um ofcom to be rather sporting um particularly <laughs> okay yeah particularly around uh, it, 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 experimental licenses as well okay a different matter when you want to put it in commercial so, operation. So, so, you, you know experimental licenses are great for trials and demos but you're not allowing commercial operation on them whereas a shared access spectrum you can 
John, I'm not 100% familiar with Bristol. What do you, do you know what sort of license you operated under? No, I I I don't as as it turns out because we're just sort of dipping our toe in the whole 5G okay. uh, spectrum exploitation and we're we're latching on to the sort of external providers for 4G 5G. So we are we are simply just looking at um cuz not so long ago we were still looking at Wi-Fi with some carefully point positioned access points aiming at our container gantry cranes and lo and behold when you stack up loads of high metal ISO container boxes you lose connection and we were getting constant 2am phone calls from from our network department saying we can't get connectivity therefore we can't unload this shipping container off this off this vessel so what we've done rather crudely is just to, to sort of prove the experiment is just throw a load of dongles in everything that requires connectivity and guess what it's working it's it's spit and sawdust, but it works really well. So it's kind of adding value to the fact that we should, or adding a sort of that awareness that 5G, 4G is the way to go forward. So my dad's got a lovely expression, you know, fitted for, not with. So if we're going to use 4G, we should fit 5G because it's it's coming because I'm sure 6, version 6 will be down the road, not not so far away, and we'll, be all, we'll already be behind the drag curve. So we're just using our 4G at the moment because we're quite low latency, low speed at the moment, but we're starting to explore we're giving supervisors on the key walls tablets so they can as ve- as vessels are coming off and they're doing their returns it's real time and as you were saying about the lovely warm offices we'll have people looking at whether it's power bi or some other metric some other kpi looking at that instant and they can see when vessels are coming off when shipping you know stops coming off ships so that we can predict when they're going to go out because we're tidal so we need to have that accurate information going forward so that's no, don't know is the long answer to your question about about that, but we've we've got BT and Cellnex as as the other John sort of alluded to that we've been engaging with. So we're just on that lovely voyage of looking at what Port of Lisbon are doing, looking at what Southampton, Tyne, and all the others are doing, and figuring out what's a, what's our sweet spot for developing because we know it's coming and we will we will adopt it at some point. But it's how far do we go? Do we want drones? Do we want handheld? scanners from 4G, do we want wearables, you know, near-miss safety, CCTV cameras, monitoring stuff coming off to the, to the seals on ISO containers and things like that, really. Thanks, thanks for that. Indeed, that nicely illustrates the, the, the sort of the choice of approach that you can have. Yeah, you can, you can go with a, uh, a major vendor, uh, a, a BT, uh, so, 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 someone who's got a load of spectrum in the bank and now they'll take care of all that for you. Um, and particularly the non-standalone. So if you're using 4G as well, well, why wouldn't you? So, okay, I suppose the downside is there is bulkier kit to install um, and, and and what have you. Uh, but yeah, non-standalone is is good, solid enterprise stuff. Um, will <laughs> will cure your asthma, asthma too. But the customers are demanding it as well a little bit. So you know the, yes. the car manufacturers, they're, they're they're even talking to us saying, oh, we've got we'll rent some space on the port and we'll set up our own network, but it takes nine minutes to download some software onto these cars that have come across from wherever they've come from. And can you do it in three? And then then you get into tracking what's actually, you know, so can we have access to a, a, a private network? So when we're driving the cars to the, the area that they're being stored in, they're downloading the user guides or their updates or whatever. So the customers are driving it. And even so much as... Um, you know, cruise ships come in, they're starting to come back in now after COVID, and they'll want, the ship's company will want connectivity, the customers coming off the vessels will be, because the, vest, the, the shipping will want to have this lovely uh, environment given to them. 
and they're asking us to can we provide anything so I was just going to pick up on the cruise ship one because that's that's a really important factor in the decision making at Southampton was the fact that there's a cruise ship port and a, a mixed goods port next to each other and that was one of the challenges that they tried doing this barcode scanning using the public network and it worked brilliantly right up until the cruise ship turned up at which point the network fell over with Everyone phoning home, yes. Well, but, but a couple of thousand people who suddenly now are not paying the inflated roaming charges and can actually use their things and have a huge amount of Instagram backlog to upload. Because the thing that... Okay, so, yeah, that was the decision about why a private piece of Spectrum was good at Southampton. The other thing I've just tripped over myself talking about is that enterprise applications are all about the uplink that typically you want to send network to send data from the devices, whether it's a video feed or, as you say, the wonderful database systems and a Power BI, is that the data flow is the opposite way to the public mobile network, and the public mobile network isn't great at large scale uplink. It, well, it, indeed, there's yeah, typically uh, a, a three three to one um, ratio with the one. If you're one lucky, it's more like 10 to one in most of them, but, but it's, 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 it's very asymmetric and that makes some serious challenges for some of these use cases. You know, uh, John C, uh, you know, you mentioned talking, you know, flying drones around the other side of ships. That's great. But to get, you know, an HD video stream back over the network is quite a taxing challenge. Compare Um, notes with the, um, the video production people. Um, yes, they ab- absolutely. <laughs> they will tell you tales. Yeah, broad broadly, you can get about fifty fifty without too much hassle. But taking it beyond there, the network timing goes on the fritz. So, oh, well, your, your ecosystem yeah. disappears because no one's yes. built the chipsets for it. <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah, my, that little my, problem. My, my, minor, minor technical hitch. Yeah. Okay, but of course, the be- the beauty with the five G network is indeed if you're serving these different customers then you can slice the network um early early days yet on that but uh, but yes indeed so if a client on your estate wants their slice if you want to carve a slice because that ship's coming into birth and they're all going to jump off and get on to um tiktok and, and and what have you then then certainly 5g has the architecture to 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 enable that uh to to do it Guys, yeah, was there anything in your projects you thought would be easy but proved to be difficult or, or vice versa? Things that you thought, oh, how are we going to get out from under this? But, but, but actually it, 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 it didn't turn out to be problematic. Just from our point of view, just in relation to the actual the, the trial that we undertook, uh, timing was not good in that there were significant supply issues for some of the key stakeholders just because of covid and the and the repercussions of that uh, from a project direction point of view uh, it was difficult to manage the process given the number of parties involved in our trial but you know it was challenging but not impossible to bring those parties together uh, and just physical issues on site trying to undertake a, a fairly complicated high-tech trial within an operating port with the challenges of actually uh, security. Who's coming into the port? What are they doing? Are there conflicts with us trying to get on on with the work? 
So yeah, brilliant trial to do, very successful insofar as uh, proving the technology works and the particular use cases that we were setting out to prove, but just in terms of management time, leadership and minor but slight inconvenience in our in our operations. That that was our experience, Richard. Thank you. Okay, very helpful. Yeah, Simon, perhaps you've got more of a, a helicopter view from your, your, your sort of end of perspective. I, I, I wouldn't disagree with any of those. You know, COVID has been a, a you know, has, it, it's, it's it, the repercussions are, are long, long of, of that. Um, in terms of specifically 5G, uh, the challenge is always devices. We're at the beginning and, and, and we haven't hit critical mass that there's a lot of things out there that don't come in a 5G variant. As John was saying, you know, because at Southampton, we're actually using um, XR20 smartphones as a gateway between Bluetooth and the 5G. And and things, you know, there's a lot of string sealing wax, two box solutions that would be nicer if it was one with the associated battery challenges, but we can't, no one can buy them yet. Um, the other one, and, and it's, yeah, the other one is, is just basic physicals that getting power and fibre into places through an operating port is distinctly non-trivial. Um, and the amount of coordination that's required, you know, to get 20 metres, it, it's a very frustrating 20 metres sometimes. But we have to put the antennas there because we need it there because that's the only other power level we're allowed to use, except, or, you know, we've got to reach behind a stack of containers, etc., etc., etc. So so the physical reality, it looks lovely on a nice CAD drawing, um, but but trying trying to make the, the, the hole in the ground is ridiculously difficult in practice so so yeah d do not underestimate the challenge of physicals okay thank you for that sir i th i think we're getting close to the end of so my my, my fi final question is and i suppose this is specifically to 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 the johns if you knew then what you know now would you still do it from absolutely yes it, it was it was a it was a a great project to be involved in. It it proved that we can coordinate a multitude of very different parties from, uh, you know, innovative uh, 5G driven companies like Celnex through to coordinating with the universities, which in our case happened to be Cardiff and Bristol, who had their own sort of agenda, all being led by a local authority project manager. But yes, certainly, the lessons that we learned, invaluable, great thing to do. Slight questions over, for example, at this at this particular stage, and John H can comment more, but return on investment for 5G at this stage. And as uh, Simon alluded to, you know, those issues of the inconvenience of actually putting in the network and the trials, the tribulations, you know, blockages in existing BT ducts within the port, massive issues to to overcome in the circumstances but yeah absolutely we would do it again great lessons learned great teamwork great project to be involved in yeah and that's um, from from my side i sort of um start off from where john c left left it there with the for me it's an education piece to the to the to the owners of the port because we are a private port and the return on investment that john sort of hinted at there is we had to sort of we've got to take them on a bit of a, a learning journey as well to understand what what the art of the possible is and I think John C's work was instrumental in underpinning where I can then take a step forward from that for the port and the owners to say here's what all the things we can do 
but here's a very real roadmap which will which will add real value and at a pace where they're happy to spend and we're happy to develop and that's sort of echoing Simon's bit about saying well you're digging up a hole in the road it's going to impact operations is it the right don't dig it up twice you know, do and you have to sort of it's a real challenge in planning this piece of what's your five year ten year even plan of 5g and by the time you've got to a point where you've you've laid everything in place for 5g I'll be looking at the next six and seven so my dad's old fitted four not with how far do you start looking forward for offsetting 6g and whatever else is coming around the corner so that's the sort of lessons for me is to understand where we're pitching and how to go about putting the infrastructure in place to support it without actually then having to unpick that infrastructure five years down the line. Absolutely. So have a vision, but keep your eye on the details. Thank you. Thank you, John C., Simon, John H. for joining me. We appreciate you taking the time to share these valuable insights with us. Thank you for joining us and make sure to check out the rest of the podcast in this series. Also, make sure to take a look at the Maritime and Ports Innovation Network section of the Innovate UK KTN website for the latest funding opportunities, news, announcements and events to get involved with within the sector. Finally, a massive thanks to our podcast guests. Make sure to reach out to them and check out their organisation websites. Thank you. Innovate UK KTN. Connecting for positive change.